welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast about culture, news, and stuff about the most athletically challenged city between Coors Field and, and Dick's Sporting Goods Stadium. Uh, I'm your co-host, Joel Warner. I'm here with co-host Josh Johnson and special guest Jenny Shank, who's the book's editor for NewWest.net, as well as the author of the new novel, The Ringer. This week, we're going to talk about what Jenny learned about the local baseball scene in research for The Ringer, as well as why the local literary scene doesn't get the respect that it deserves. And we're going to go through some of the suggestions for a new theme song for the Never Diatribe, because right now it's time to get rid of Colorado girls. So let's get started. Uh, Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about, just give us like the one paragraph synopsis about what The Ringer is about? Sure. Uh, the Ringer tells the story of Patricia Maestas. She's a Mexican-American wife of a Mexican man killed by Denver police, and Ed O'Fallon, the officer who shoots her husband. And they both have sons who play baseball, and they end up playing in the same league, unbeknownst to them. They gradually figure out who each other are, and that's how the climax comes about. So, so they don't find out till the end of the book? They... Each of them finds out at a different point and hides it for their own reasons until the big finale. <laughs> do do we just spoil the book for everybody? No. Okay, so but most people would assume that eventually these two would find out. Yeah, they would assume that that's what the book is leading to, I think. Yes, I do. Because it's told would. from alternating perspectives. I tell one chapter from Ed's viewpoint and then one from Patricia's, and it goes back and forth like that oh, until they okay. kind of are crossing into each other's narratives. Very cool. Um... One thing I was interested in reading about the book is that, I mean, clearly it's, it kind of delves into some serious topics, you know, the fa- you know, police shootings and whatnot, especially here in Denver, and yet it seems to me that you kind of couch that within the local rec baseball scene as a way to kind of temper that. And one thing we wanted to talk about is the local baseball scene, in part because we never talk about sports on the Denver Diatribe because we are just big geeks, so we thought this might be a nice, safe way for us to talk about Quasi athletics. I guess. I guess the first question is: Is there a Denver baseball scene beyond the Rockies? Obviously. Well, in the book, what I what I based the book on is my experiences growing up in Denver. I played softball, and my brother played baseball. He was a really good baseball player. Um, and it wasn't little league. Little league is its own branch. It was some other type of youth baseball. I can't. I think it was accelerated. A Y A Y L or something. Um, and that was there's one league where all the best players would play when they're kids, and you start to figure out who's really good really young. I'm looking at my nephew, my my brother's son. He lives in Castle Rock. He's already starting to play pretty intense baseball at age six, um, even though it's still coach pitched, which is I mean it's before the kids have the ability to throw the ball all the way to the plate. Um, the coach will do the pitching, but so it's above t ball. Yeah, so t-ball, they're getting they're getting the ball pitched. hurled at them. Yes. It's not sitting there. Yes. But it's not a you can't trust a, a six-year-old yet. Right, right. It'd be a very the long impulse year. to hit the batter would be too big for. <laughs> yes. They they wouldn't even be able to do what they wanted to do if they wanted to hit the batter. And go the <laughs> yeah, they'd hit the they'd hit the first baseman. Yes. <laughs> so um, that's what I based it on. So my brother, he, I mean, we just spent our whole entire summers going around to baseball games. My husband teases me because we'll be out somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and I'd be like, oh, I think I played at that field, or my brother played at that field. Um, you'd travel anywhere to um, the tournaments, and 
sometimes even out of state, like when they get to the regionals, you go to New Mexico or you go to Houston or I think those are the most exotic places we went. But um, That's pretty impressive, though, that you travel to Houston and New Mexico. Yeah, that's when, like, my brother, actually it's what happens in the book. I just followed the same trajectory of the season that my brother would go through. Um, so they play in a Denver league, and then they go to, um, I think it's the, the state tournament, like in Fort Collins or somewhere like that. And then whoever wins the state tournament, I don't know, I don't remember if it was one or two teams, then got to go to usually Las Cruces, New Mexico, or mm. Farmington. Some, and then sometimes it was Houston. And then my brother's team never went beyond that. But I knew other teams that went beyond that to Puerto Rico, where was the Nationals. And that's wow. when you get on ESPN. Yeah. Well, no, because it wasn't – Little League is the one that's featured on ESPN. It was some other type of league. But in Colorado, that was the best one. So Little League isn't as competitive as the one that my brother played in because Little League, you cannot stack a team. Like, it has to be based on the neighborhood. You just draw the kids from your neighborhood. Right. You can get in trouble in Little League for trying to take kids from across town. Right. In the league my brother played in, you were allowed to pick the best kids from the entire area. Really? And that's what I have in my book. Um, so the son of Patricia, he's a really good pitcher. And he's, but he's playing in Reckley. He's playing in Catholic Youth League, which I've also played in, which is like the lowest on the hierarchy. Catholic Youth League is the lowest. <laughs> and then there's it a took couple of the Bad other, News Bears version. Yeah. Right. Then there, I mean, everyone gets to bat. It doesn't matter, um, even if you're not in the Do game. Do the nuns kind of coach? There are so no more nuns left, really. No. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, my book, I have a priest coach, coach, but that was actually never the case when I played. It was some. It was a dad that would coach. So then after that, you get like other rec leagues, and then little league. And then after that, you get the teams that are assembled kind of like a major league team would be assembled based on the best talent available, and they scout and recruit, and I have... That's where you have, like, the 27-year-old Puerto Ricans trying to pretend they're 14, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. so I have, um, in my book, I have somebody, like, scouting. The priest is actually scouting, and he's like, you're too good for the Catholic team. You need to go see Pete on Pecos, Pete's Pizza on Pecos Street. He has a team. And, and this is for real. This is how seriously it really is taken. Yeah, this yeah. was all based on real stuff. So, so it sounds like Denver has long had this pretty serious kind of. Yeah. Kind so of my brother is—he's thirty-five. So this is when he was a kid, yeah. and um, yeah, it's been around for a while. Was was there any bribing? You know, like like did they come to the to the family? Did the coaches come to the family and say, if you pay if uh, play for our team, we'll we'll get you into this daycare? Or, or you know, <laughs> I don't know of any bribing, but the but there were teams that seemed like. The one team my brother played for, it was called Hobart. It was it was some company. I don't even know if the company Hobart. exists anymore. But they had really nice uniforms, like thick, like professional uniforms with the double-layered applique. Right. Board. I have that in my book, too. Um, so it's got to be intimidating one of the, for And they had several uniforms and, you know, major league quality uniforms, and they were given to them all these equipment. So that might have been a bribe. If you're really good, you get to play on the teams with the fancy uniforms and the professional stuff. You have, like, nice fields. It's not this, yeah. like, mud patches that yeah. the bad team. Are, are the, kids that, the kids that are playing this, um, I mean, every, every kid probably has a dream of playing in the majors, but do they? is that what they're doing? Well, I mean, are they prepping themselves to well, okay. a career? It's very rare that anyone makes it to the majors sure. but most of the ones that do make it to the majors have come through this kind of a program right i would say what kind of pressure does this put on kids i think it depends on the kid i i know my brother felt that a lot it depends on your parent actually right yeah I can see the parent and being a problem yeah in my book i have ed he's coaching his boys and he's really intense and he um he yells a lot he gets upset 
And so they demote him to coaching girls t-ball because he's just getting too riled up. Um, so when I think when the parent is really intense like that, that can put a lot of pressure on the kid. But, I mean, it's self-pressure, too. I remember just kids would be upset if they didn't perform well. and um, But they loved it, too. They were doing it. Sure. They wouldn't have been in it if they didn't want to be in it. It takes a certain competitive drive personality, I, I guess, to do that. You couldn't make your kid be be that way to be on these teams. Right. They have to want it and right. practice. And I remember we practiced when they didn't have practice. He would set up. We had a clothesline in our backyard, and he would set up a blanket, and we'd pitch like soft toss into the blanket. We would do that oh, you, a lot. You guys were pretty. You guys were pretty hardcore. Yeah. Now, does it seem like there's anything unique about like the Denver? kind of youth baseball scene or does it seem like this is it's like this in most cities i bet there are things like this in many cities when you would go to the regional tournaments there would be certain powerhouses like you'd always lose to the team from oklahoma or texas Uh usually i mean because they have monsters for one thing they're huge for some (laughs) reason the kids are huge and um steroids and yeah yeah sugar cereal little roger clemens yeah (laughs) And in my book, I have a scene based on... So we'd go to the tournament in Las Cruces, and the host team would be the Navajo Nation team. And they got to play in the tournament just because they were the host team, not because they had qualified. And they were put together kind of on the Little League principle. You know, whoever was the Navajo member was on the team. So they were not as good as these teams of, like, total ringers. (laughs) They got taken out in the first round. And I wrote a little scene about that, how I thought it was kind of sad. Well, I mean, it's okay for them to play and everything, but... I hated it when the good teams would goof around, like, okay, I'll bet left-handed this time, uh, or I'll play pitcher instead. <laughs> I, I thought you should just play the game. On to uh, <laughs> the local literary scene. And Jenny, I mean, one, you're part of it, but also you've written on local literary scene for, for quite a while. And we wanted to talk about, at least in our opinion, why the scene doesn't get respect it deserves, including in the One Book, One Denver contest, which seems to like picking books that have nothing to do with Colorado whatsoever. So I wanted to throw that out to you and your thoughts about that. Okay, my thoughts about the local literary scene is, for one thing, there's a lot of great writers working here. Um, I just was on a panel last night with David Robluski, who's the author of um, The Story of Edgar Sawtell, which is like a huge, massive hit. Yeah. Um, And I was on a panel with Eleanor Brown. She wrote The Weird Sisters, which also was like a New York Times bestseller. But the interesting thing is, like those two, they don't set their books in Denver, and they're not from Denver. And um, like Nick Arvin, also, he's from elsewhere. He set his book elsewhere, and that's the one Colorado author who was picked for one book, one Denver. Okay. Um, so a lot of the writers here aren't setting work in Colorado, maybe because they, most of them have moved from elsewhere. Um, so like kind of my goal is to write stuff in Colorado to make Denver my yak nepatafwa. You know. Awesome. I think we need some background. <laughs> what is one one book, one Denver? And Jenny, you might be able to explain this. Yeah, so One Book, One Denver, it's based on something that was started in Seattle. I think um, they call it City Read Programs. And the librarian there, Nancy Pearl, who's like the most famous librarian in the United States, she started this reading program where everyone in the city would read the same book together, and then there would be some events surrounding it. You could go to readings by the author, discussions, things like that. And that was really successful. Um, they, uh, They seemed to pick... People wanted to do it. They picked books that people were excited about. And then that started spreading all over the place. Um, people wanted to do their own community reads with books that were of interest to their place. So there's like one book, one Broomfield. There are okay. um, there's, or several of them in Colorado. One book, one Denver, I think, was started. Well, Hickenlooper, he, 
his wife is a writer, Helen Thorpe. She wrote a great book that I love called Just Like Us. Um, so he's he wanted to support that, I think. So it started under maybe f six years ago. I'm not sure. Does it have the... No, it probably doesn't have it. But um, to do a similar thing in Denver, um, it's Patty Thorne back when there was a Rocky Mountain News. <laughs> it was writing about how it never quite caught on. The first year they did Leaf Angers, Peace Like a River. Now that was set in, I think, Minnesota. But it was just a popular, like people were, were participating. And after that, though... Whatever they picked, it just didn't seem quite right, or people in Denver were just not into it. Um, Patty judged that the amount of participation wasn't good enough. I actually think, you know, anyone participating is good. Sure. I think any, she was saying, oh, it only sold this many books. And I'm like, well, that's not bad. Um, I think so any kind of program like this is good. Do you remember how many? I don't remember the book sales, but they were tracking like library um, checkouts and things like that. And I don't remember. But I, I thought it was okay, but there's always been a lot of criticism. Um, for one thing, everybody really, the literary community really wanted them to pick Kent Harris Plain Song, which is just a beautiful book. It was a finalist for the National Book Award, and it's set in eastern Colorado. And they just never did, because I think there's one scene in it where it's some kind of rape scene among high school students or something. So they have requirements for the books they're pitching that there be no explicit sex, no language, like no disagreeable So all the material. boring books. Yeah, so it's hard to find something without disagreeable material yeah. in it. At least, that, at least there's any quality. I mean, So can... I think it's hard, though. Their job is hard. They're trying to pick something to please. So then eventually they started going to where everyone would vote for the book. And like three years ago, they offered like 25 choices or something for the vote. <laughs> Um, Who's going to read 25 books to yeah, vote? Yeah, and they were all classics. I think the one that won was To Kill a Mockingbird, and I was like, well, I've read that like 10 times. Um, yeah, I think like anyone who reads who reads books has already read yeah, To Kill so a Mockingbird. Yeah, so that was the problem with that What's choice. this? Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, I just think like like if anyone who's going to read a oh, book... Oh, it's a book. Yeah. I just know the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shame. No. And then, um, so then they got criticism for having too many choices, so they went to three books to vote for, which they've done last year and this year. And I actually think their choices last year and this year were pretty good. Um, last year they offered David Robluski, who's from, he lives in Westminster, I think, and um, Annie Prue. She's regional, at least. She had she lived in Denver for a while. She writes about Wyoming. Yeah. And But the one that won was Catherine Stockett's The Help, which is a book, I haven't read it. Everyone seems to like it, but the problem with it is it's like a massive, huge bestseller again. So like, hasn't everybody already read it that yeah. wants to read it? So when you have a popularity contest like a vote, you know, the most popular book is going to win, the one that everyone's already read. And not that many people are voting. I think you can win this yeah, thing this with, year, like, 200 well, votes. It was like a, this year it was... Those are not that. Those they're showing on the screen, those aren't the to choices yeah. of the alternates. The, the choices were... The one that I thought looked good was by um, Rebecca Skloot. The yeah, The Immortal Life, Life of, of Henrietta Lacks, Lacks which is nonfiction. Really it is a good book. And then there was one by Jamie... The Art of Racing in the Rain. Yeah, and then Jamie Ford's um, Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet. Now, none of them have a Colorado connection at all, except for Jamie Ford's agent is from Denver. I and I think... Uh, <laughs> and Rebecca... Sklute. Yeah, Rebecca Sklute uh, went to CSU. Oh, okay. So for that's writing, good. so she has connections here, but the book. None of the well. books are set here. Yeah. But I mean, it's just. I think it's just. I don't know that one book, one Denver was ever out to support Colorado writers. Maybe that's not the goal of it. The goal of it is to get as many people reading and excited about books as you can. But I think 
that some people are disappointed because there just isn't anything to support local writers yeah. out there. There's no way to. So there's nothing. I mean, I mean. Well, what? the things that are good in Colorado are um, the Tatter Cover, like most awesome bookstore ever. Yeah. The Denver Public Library has always been good. I mean, it's been cut back so much that it can't be as good as it was. Yeah. Um, it, they're closing some of the branches. And yeah. Those sorts of horrible things. Yeah. The, the Lighthouse Writers Workshop is really lively, active. Um, they. And that's growing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, can we, yeah. So and explain with Lighthouse for people who don't yeah, know Lighthouse. Lighthouse is an independent writer's workshop where you can go, adults can go and take classes, just as you would if you were in grad school or something. Um, workshops, learn about anything, screenwriting, short story writing, essay writing, all kinds of stuff. It's been going on for a while, right? Yeah. I don't know when it started, but it has been going on for a while. They just moved into a new location on Race Street and... It's just burgeoning. I taught a couple of classes for them recently at this annual thing they do called Lit Fest. It was really fun, and um, I think if you're a local writer, you have to get in with them because they have like a good mailing list, and people turn out for it because there's no more Rocky Mountain News to write about your book, and the Denver Post book section is almost gone. They yeah. got rid of the editor, and they cut it down pretty much to one page. They usually have one or two articles written by Denver people, and the rest is wire stories. Um, so there's no way to get the word out about your book. Besides those three things that I, I and there's no um, grant. Most states have a program to offer grants to writers who are you know writing about their state, and they don't, they cut that back in, at least ten years ago, and it's never going to come back. There's no money for it. Yeah. And we don't have a book festival. Most states have some kind of a public book festival, like um, Missoula has a great one called the Montana Festival of the Book, where it's free and everybody can come and do all kinds of stuff. And they they mix it up. So if you're interested in screenplays, they have screenplay writers or we've never had something fiction. like that here. We had a very sad little thing, <laughs> like ten years ago. It was held in the Denver Merchandise Mart. It was so dispiriting. Oh man! It was because like, why do you want to go to the Denver Merchandise Mart on a Saturday under the fluorescent lights, this big room where they usually are showing like rocks and minerals? Yeah. It was really kind yeah, of depressing, and, and it lost funding, and it, it disappeared. But these book festivals I'm talking about are, like, held in the middle. Like, you would hold it on Broadway, or you'd hold it in Lodo, and you'd have different things going on in a bunch of venues around there at the same time. Yeah. And Tucson has a great one, and really pretty much every state but us has. I, I sort of wonder, it's, 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 you know, not to be pessimistic here, but um, does, it, does that show that there's not a demand for it? It I mean, is, is there something about Denver that just doesn't inspire readers? I mean, the, the inclement weather of Seattle maybe is more conducive to reading, whereas people are out on their bikes. Like, maybe Denver's just not a reading town. Well, there have been measures of it that, that they do. people in Denver do like to read. They like to support their libraries, and they buy books and all that. Right. But I think you're right in some extent. Like, um, people here don't really care about... I mean, L.A. celebrates its writers. They're, they're like, we have Raymond Chandler. We have all these people who are writing about L.A. New York does. Chicago is proud of um, Saul Bellow and everybody who's written about their town in the past. Um, Denver doesn't have that kind of pride that I know of. I mean, there's some really cool writers I've been looking into, like a guy named John Fante, who um, grew up here in Denver in the 1920s, and he wrote some really great novels set here. But he's actually been adopted by L.A. because he ended up moving to L.A. when he was a young man. And so his first few books were set in Denver, and his subsequent books were set in L.A. And then he was cited as an influence for Bukowski and a bunch of L.A. writers. So they've, like, made a big thing out of him. But I think we should claim him because... So we can take him back. Yeah. I mean, but we don't have that kind of spirit of celebrating our literary past here. Yeah. We have the beats. 
yeah, we do celebrate Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg. I think that that's emphasized. Yeah. But um, other literature set here, it's not like... I was never made to read the literature set in Colorado growing up um, in the Denver yeah. Public Schools. But to help make things right, would there be <laughs> other local books or local authors who are coming up who you to, who you, we should give a shout-out to right yeah, now? Yeah, um, well, a cool one, let me see. Um, Gregory Hill just won the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award for this year, and he's a librarian at the University of Denver. Oh. And his book, East of Denver, um, is set in the plains east of Denver. It's going to be published next year by some major publisher, Penguin, I think. So he'll probably get lots of press because it's a big oh, wow. deal. But it's cool. It's set in um, Colorado, and it's based on his experiences with his dad having Alzheimer's, but he likes to write crazy stuff. So it's um, it's like a comedy, a black comedy about this guy decides to go rob a bank with his Alzheimer suffering dad in order to get some money to save their farm. <laughs> so ah, That so sounds awesome. It does That's sound cool. awesome. I'm eager to read it. You can read an excerpt of it now on Amazon, I think, under the, the contest. Yeah, site. excellent. And, um, yeah, there's... I have lots of writers. Another, well, Colorado writer that I would mention I think is really cool is um, Rita Williams. She wrote a memoir called If the Creek Don't Rise, and it came out like four years ago. But it's really fascinating. So she grew up in Steamboat Springs in the 1950s and 60s, and she was raised by her grandmother, who was incredibly the last surviving African-American widow of a Civil War Union soldier. She was like this ancient woman. They were living in Steamboat like life out of a prior century, growing their own food and shooting their own food and like making their this own clothes. This is for real. Yeah, this is a real memoir. And I I don't hear people talking about it that much. It's a really cool Colorado book that not that many people have read here anyway. Oh, I did well, though. I mean, it was mentioned on um, Oprah Magazine and stuff, but I just think we should claim it yeah. as Colorado. Oh, really claim it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll put some links onto our website about this yeah. stuff. Um, should we move on to uh, the postmortem for Colorado girls and some of yeah, uh, those who tuned in last week to the diatribe, uh, we're so exhausted with the, our intro music, Colorado Girls, which you heard prior to this episode, because we're trying to get rid of it to um, put something in that, that maybe if it stays in your head through the week, you won't want to shoot your brains out. Yeah, that would be nice. So we, we, we sent out um, a request for suggestions, and uh, we got a decent response. We're gonna. We have four clips for you this week, um, and please do visit uh, DenverDiatribe.com and link to us on Facebook uh, at Denver Diatribe on Twitter to make your suggestions, and we'll air them next week. You can also comment on these clips and which ones you prefer. Uh, so the first suggestion is from uh, I think uh, pronounce his name Quibion Salazar here in Denver, who thought that we should have the song Denver by by uh, Priest featuring Rocky Keem. So here's a bit of Denver. Yeah, yeah, it's Priest. Watch this. Man, hatchel attack. Paper planes in the sky. Home illegal weed. You take the buck and you fly. I was stuck in the streets. No home couldn't eat. Yeah, tired of that shit. Now on my back and we feast. Yeah, love for the radio. Even radio play. Getting love in the E, but with the school in the A. I was raising the bells, but I was born in the hills. So yeah, I'm a nerd, but I know some niggas that kill. Oops, it's my truth. It's my crew. Pocket protecting this local revenue. Calculating money, haters slept through. So if you don't know 
now you do, motherfucker. I'm from Denver. 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 So what do you think of that clip, Joel? I don't know anything about hip-hop, so it sounded nice. It sounded like every other hip-hop song I've ever heard. Yeah. I like hip-hop. I like hip-hop. Not sure about that. You're not? No. Why, Why aren't you sure? I don't know. Like I said, I just don't know. I don't it's, know because, it's because it feels too urban for you. Yes. See, we for, are for we your, are that For urban. your sunny side, you know... Family lifestyle, it doesn't... <laughs> yeah, most of the gentrifiers around here in Sunnyside don't I, play a lot I think of if people, I think if people heard that, they would think we were tougher. Yes. They think Do we want to be tougher? I mean, maybe we want to be tougher. Maybe, maybe if we lead with that, we'll be more aggressive. Yeah, if like, you don't oh. do that, I'll take it as the soundtrack for my next book. Okay. Which will take us deep into the hood. Deep okay. into the hood. <laughs> deep into the hood. Yeah. Okay, next one. Jenny from the Block. Um, next one comes from Tavi Meyer. It is... Actually, I'm just going to play it. See if you guys can get the joke. Roll another. B- yeah. I was going to clean my room. Until I got high <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom But then I got high My room is still messed up And I know why Why, man? Yeah, hey, cause I got high Because I got high Because I got high I was gonna go to class Before I got So see, that's because I, because I got high It's by Afro Man Because we live high up and we all smoke medical marijuana. Right. It's kind of a joke for a song. It's it is. Of, kind of a gimmick song. Do it's we like playing it? off a stereotype. So we don't want that? I don't think any of us in this diatribe are, you know, medicine users. No. At least not not with any regularity. Yeah. Because then if we did that, then if we did that one, then people would think that it's a pot show. Yeah. We clearly have some self-image problems. We do. Because <laughs> we, we get really nervous whenever we... Hear one of these songs and we think it's going to kind of reflect badly upon us. Right, but we've been using Colorado girls. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are we saying we're a bunch of what? I don't know. Girls. Yes, which is okay, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so we're going to move on. Thanks for that suggestion, Tavy. Next, we have uh, Kyle Freeman, who's suggested Oh Queen City by Houses. Never 
In my wildest of dreams Did I see myself sitting Thinking of you Did I see myself sitting Thinking of you Oh no Queen City by Houses. I think they're you know, they're they're a local band. I kind of like that. Yeah, that sounded really about. really good. I think it's lovely. Yes. It is lovely, and I think it captures the affection I feel for my hometown. Yeah, yeah, like the thing about like about like the sunlight. Yeah, it has the right vibe. See, that's more our vibe here in Sunnyside. It's supposed to be that hip hop. That's that's a little right. too, so too aggressive for us. We like we take things slow. <laughs> you just have to take two blocks that way for the. You know, the yeah. Area. My, yeah. My my <laughs> concerns with that one is is it too lovely? Is it too yeah? Because it it's diatribe. kind of yeah. It's going to fade to that, nice. and then and then we'll open with a yawn. Yeah, it was a I mean, we kind of want like a little bit of pump and action. Yeah, a little bit of both. See, that's why the Colorado Girls. That's why Colorado Girls work. But we're going to move beyond it. I we promise. Are. Okay. It could be your outro. Then we have uh, the last suggestion is by Bob Seeger. Uh, get out of Denver. I still remember it was on and the moon was shining. A 60 Cadillac was rolling through Nebraska winding. Doing 120 and the fields was bending over. Heading out for the mountains, no one came was traveling. Brother, all the clouds were blazing and the spinning wheels were turning, turning. And my girl beside me, brother, brother, she was burning, burning. I walked back Baptist preaching, Southern funky school teacher. She had a line on something heavy, but we couldn't reach her. We told her that we needed something that Seeger, we get out of Denver. That f- that one fills all my requirements, except requirements. for Bob Seeger's not from Denver, but he's referencing Denver. It's upbeat. It's uh, it's yeah. But the only thing is classic rock. What genre are you envisioning yourself? I don't know. I'll know it when I hear it. <laughs> classic rock. It seems like we're out of touch. You know. Yeah. It it seems like. Plus, we're saying get out of Denver. We're saying no. Stay right here. Stay with us in Denver. Yeah. Why would you want to get out of Denver? Things are so nice here. But it's not one of his most well-known songs. So It's if, not. If you yeah. were playing Night Moves, you would seem out of touch. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That would be kind of awkward if we were cabin. playing Night Moves. <laughs> I kind of have to say that one's my vote so far. What, get out of Denver? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Josh Tuffo. I have to think about it. I did like that song, Oh Queen City. I just That's my type of music. I don't... I. I am worried it's going to put everybody to sleep. Yeah. Those are listeners who aren't already put to sleep. Um, so yeah, so we will have some more suggestions next week, and eventually we'll come up with with a winner. So as we move on to uh, love and hate, let's do quick love and hates. Uh, Jenny, what is your love or your hate this week? Well, I think the thing I love is the view of Denver as you go down Spear. Can I read a paragraph from my book where I yes. describe that? Yes, okay. please do. It just mentions a character, Patricia, and um, and her son Ray. She took Federal south to Spear and drove over the bridge that led to downtown. A few years earlier, the area had been a wasteland of railroad tracks and abandoned warehouses. 
Now the bridge led to the new basketball arena, the nostalgic baseball stadium, and lofts going up everywhere. Near the highway, the roller coaster and swooping rides of Elish Gardens Amusement Park, which had re relocated from deep in Hispanic Denver, were silhouetted against the mountains. The city was in bloom, its colors red and green, the colors of the mountain rock and of the streams that cut through it. New buildings sprung up, derelict neighborhoods snapping into respectability around them, and old warehouses became expensive homes. Salvador and other men like him had built all this, cooked in the restaurants, toiled on the construction sites, and cleaned everything up while the rest of Denver slept. Rents rose, hopes soared, the landscape changed. Patricia watched in the rearview mirror as Ray rolled his window down and stuck his hand out, catching the breeze on his palm. Patricia wanted the bad times behind them. She wanted something new to begin. So that view into Denver is one of the things I love. Nice. Awesome. Thank you, Jenny, for sure. reading that. I should say that um, if you want to visit with Jenny, she's available at ljohnway.com. That's ljohnway.com. My actual website is jennyshank.com, but if you go to ljohnway.com and click on ljohnway, you will yeah. get to my website too. Very yeah. cool. Well, I have a hate this week. You don't have hates, but I have a bit of a hate. Uh, my four-year-old son loves to dance. He just like rocks around the house all the time, and we found this this little uh, dance camp at Colorado. Uh, is it called Colorado Ballet? Is that what it is? I think. Yeah. And you know, it was fantastic. You know, four and five-year-olds going to this like ballet camp. That's great. My problem was for whatever, whatever reason they decided that uh, four-year-old boys and four-year-old girls can't be in the same dance class together. So there, there is like a princess camp, and there's there's a superhero camp. So so my son has to go to the superhero camp. He can't just go to dance camp, and I'm fighting against this. Plus, you know, we're paying for him to go to this dance camp, and he goes and sits there and watches like a Batman cartoon for half the time. Which seems which stupid. my point to you when he brought that up is he's got to study the technique. <laughs> I mean, if you send him to basketball camp and they didn't watch some you know Jordan action. To we used see. to watch Red on Round Ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this old coach named Red. <laughs> the Denver Diatribe. You can find us on Facebook on Twitter at Denver Diatribe. Thanks to both Josh and Jenny for sitting in this week. Uh -huh.